Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. I am, of course, your host, Mark Kuznez. Got a handful of games to talk about this week, including Daymare, colon, 1994 Sandcastle, The Bridge Curse, colon, Road to Salvation, Tin Can, and Running Fable. But before I get to all that, I put out a brand new episode of Attack the Backlog this past weekend on Sunday, like usual. And it was for Police Chase, a game you surely have not heard of, a not great game, and I've been pleasantly surprised with the general reception towards the video. It seems like people have enjoyed it, and I'm happy about that because I, if you watch the video, it's a bit of a delve fall into madness I wrote a strip for it where I purposely wrote it in with run on sentences because it just felt like the game it felt suiting for the game and as I was reading the script I fumbled over a few words I stumbled over a few words fumbled a few words if you will and instead of opting to clean it up in the editing process to rewind a little bit reread that line and continue I just kept going and going and going and what we ended up with was a very ridiculous episode and if you are wondering if you've watched the episode already and you're wondering did I do the choo-choo-choos? No, it wasn't choo-choo-choos. It was the the poncho joke from The Simpsons. Off the top of my head, no. I wrote that into the script. Why? No idea. There's absolutely no point to that existing in the script. It is in no way related to the game. There's nothing about it that is related to the game or my experience with it. I did not think about The Simpsons once while playing the game. But when I was writing the script, I got to a point where I wanted to say, but so-and-so, and in my head, I just remembered. I haven't even rewatched that episode in my rewatching of The Simpsons, which has taken a bit of a backseat to Futurama, which I'm really liking. Futurama is very, very good. It isn't laugh out loud, though I'm also the worst person to talk about that kind of stuff because I don't laugh out loud. But it's, it's not full of big laughs. It's just full of good writing. And it's consistently enjoyable. It's just a good time. Full of a cast of characters I like being around. And a voice cast that isn't as... Oh God, I'm just hearing the same exact voices for all these characters. A handful of voice actors like The Simpsons is. Especially early on where they didn't have a huge crop of characters. And it's funny too, I'm not going to go into it or the movie itself. It's just funny how, and I would love to know the backstory, maybe if there's commentary included, 
they talk about it. But the fact that Godzilla, the 1998 movie starring Matthew Broderick, Roland Emmerich joint, or Roland Emmerich joint, that it's so full of Simpsons voice actors. There may be more than I'm even thinking of, but all that come to mind specifically are Harry Scherer, that's his name right, as the news anchor, Bella, then Nancy Cartwright as his assistant, maybe? She works at the office as well, who is the voice of Bart, and I've never seen her in any live-action thing other than Godzilla 1998. And then Hank Azaria as the camera man who's friends with Matthew Broderick's ex, the striving reporter. But anywho, let us get on to what I've been playing, starting with Daymare 1994 Sandcastle. This is a prequel to Daymare... I don't know if it was 1994. I remember playing it and thinking, wow, this is pretty janky. But I remember nothing else about it. Can't tell you when it came out or how this story relates to that outside of knowing it is a prequel because they specifically say that. This is a survival horror game, an action survival horror game, a la Resident Evil specifically, especially where you are going through the motions, third person as well. But you, you are very capable of handling yourself in dire situations. You start off with quite the arsenal at your disposable, at your disposable, at your disposal, with an SMG and a shotgun and quickly gain access to this cryo backpack device that allows you to fire cryo blasts that you use both in combat, presumably, I'll get to the presumably part, and in puzzles, like where you have to cool off some pipes that are overheating in order to progress to the next area or take out some fires that are in your way, impeding your progress. And let me just get that out of the way immediately. I got that device near the point at which I stopped playing because I got to that puzzle where I had to freeze all these pipes. And there was a time limit. I was freezing them, but they would eventually overheat again. And I'm running back and forth, recharging, refilling my tank from the, the giant tank that was there and trying to time it so that it would work. And it... it I may have been screwing something up very obvious, but I didn't care enough to figure out what the hell was going wrong. So I just stopped playing at that point because the game itself is really rough across the board in so many respects. Visually, the textures are a muddled and muddy mess. In, in many cases, they do not load in. For a while, in some cases, they never load in. So you're just looking at these incredibly rough, basic textures that can't help but take you out of the experience. They, they, they really break immersion. Low quality visuals are one thing. Low quality textures are a completely different thing. 
because it, it, it's so clear that the game is not loaded in. You, in some cases, there are games where it's just that's the the aesthetic or that's the look, but it's clear here that the textures are meant to look different, and they're just not loaded in. Thankfully, a lot of the game takes place in shadow and dark areas with minimal lighting, and there's a heavy amount of contrast, so the lighting does make up for a lot of the visual inconsistencies and the overall visual lack of quality. It masks a lot of it. And despite the visual issues, the game does a really good job with tone and atmosphere, which does make the stuff that isn't so great more disappointing because I can see what they're going for and at times in ways they succeed and if they could have succeeded in all the aspects they didn't it could have been a really atmospheric game overall and I really liked a a part where you come across uh, in a hallway there are a few open areas it's like a a quarters area so there are a bunch of rooms full of bunks and stuff like that and in one of them there is a coat hanging up that when you're walking by it it looks like it might be a person or a monster or something and it looks exactly like the thing poster for john Carpenter's the thing and that was a great bit of imagery i don't know if they were explicitly trying to remind one of that particular imagery but that is exactly what it made me think of and as I was walking by I was like well is that is that someone and when I walked in and saw what it was I was like oh man that is that is cool that is good I like that and I wish there were more moments like that from a visual standpoint then the gameplay you can turn on aim assist or not the difficulties provided our story normal and a hardcore mode you can't change it after the fact so once you've committed to one you're committing to it for your whole time with the game unless you decide to restart i played on the normal the balance mode and difficulty wise it wasn't a problem but the game itself is pretty basic and standard stuff you're thrown into this not factory this laboratory this building thing station I'm trying to think of what exactly I'd call it and you're quickly starting to discover that there were experiments going on and stuff of that nature that doesn't seem quite kosher and you have to figure out what's going on and try to survive as shit is going crazy while you're fighting electric zombies, essentially. That is the quirk to the zombies, is that they are made up of electricity, essentially. And when you kill one, a ball of energy will come out of them, and if there are other corpses nearby, they'll find their way into them and resurrect them, and then you have to take them down. The the game just doesn't 
Performance-wise, it's a little bit janky. There is a quality and performance mode that you can switch between. The quality mode is awful in that I didn't see a big jump, a significant jump in visual quality. And when I say that, I mean I did not notice a single fucking difference. I don't know what changed. It's a resolution bump, but I didn't notice anything. And it could be because I have my Xbox set to 1440p120, so it probably didn't do anything for me, except knock the frames uh, per second, the, the FPS to 30, as opposed to what I presume was 60, because it felt much smoother on performance mode, and on quality mode, it was much more sluggish to move my character around except it seemed if that I'm still and I will always forever be someone who is not able to really tell exactly what type of FPS situation I'm dealing with but if that was a difference of 60 versus 30 for performance man when you switch between the two 30 feels like shit. But I want to believe that maybe it wasn't a locked 30 and the quality mode is just a really, really bad, poorly optimized mode and that there was more going on than just that. But the shooting doesn't feel all that great. Movement doesn't feel... It's fine. Puzzles are pretty basic and standard outside of that pipe thing that I didn't rage quit on, but I just said, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You haven't done anything to make me want to keep playing other than this. Shotgun felt all right. The proportions on your character are weird. Your head seems abnormally large. Your arms seem abnormally short. And in-game, the models in cutscenes seem okay, but in-game, there's a bit of weirdness going on. The cutscenes, the story, horrible lip syncing, dumb story, seemingly. It just wasn't doing a whole lot for me to draw me in. Outside of doing a pretty good job, all things considered, with tone and atmosphere. And I wish, I wish I liked it more. I wish that. It was a more polished experience because I, I think of I think of games like this and they remind me of your more and this may not have even been a budget title back in the day because I think it was a a pretty big publisher. It might have I don't know if it's also Capcom, but on PS2, I really liked Extermination. I never got into Resident Evil on the PS2. What was there on the PS2? There weren't any originals, were there? We got ports of Code Veronica and Resident Evil 4 eventually, but nothing specifically for, I guess, Outbreak? The attempt at doing a multiplayer one? That was a... That's what the PlayStation got, I think? Because Resident Evil 5 was a 360 game. And then three, of course, PlayStation 1, 4, GameCube. So, yeah. Code Veronica, Dreamcast, of course. 
Uh, I, I love extermination. Don't know why. In the same way that I loved freaking Parasite Eve 2 for some random reason. But I'm down for more games providing me with that Resident Evil formula that I have come to enjoy so much. The sadly, Daymare just is too rough in too many ways to really recommend. And also, I'll just say this if interested or whatever, the prequel nature, because it's a prequel probably and not a sequel, you don't need experience with the first game. You don't need to have that knowledge to care about the story that isn't worth caring about anyway. But that is Daymare 1994 Sandcastle. Next up is The Bridge Curse Road to Salvation, which I guess is based on a Netflix movie that I didn't know existed when I googled The Bridge Curse that came up and I was like oh this is weird and it's based on a real life Taiwanese I believe bit of mythology folklore where you go to this bridge you take 13 steps and then a 14th hidden step you sit in a chair, you're blindfolded, and you do you're doing all this, and then a ghost comes, and you're you 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 want to go around the lake or whatever, do a lap. I, I I didn't remember all of the lore behind the stuff going on because the game itself is a pretty generic jump scareathon, chaseathon with a bit of just story narrative related walking some puzzle-ish type of stuff and object manipulation grab some objects look at them rotate them maybe you'll find a hidden little thing when you rotate them oh look on the back side of this is that but the 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 horror related gameplay where you're getting chased by ghosts is frustrating and tedious because it's partially a crapshoot where you're going through these maze-like areas and when you turn the corner, you may just end up running into the ghost out of a bit of bad luck. And then you're dead. And then you have to restart. And it's a little bit annoying. The ghost is a, an idiot though. So the, the, there is at least some pleasure in knowing that the ghost is a moron and if they are say chasing you from behind and you come across there are a lot of porta potties that are scattered throughout all the areas where you're getting chased that are specifically there clearly so that you can hide in them but if you're getting chased by the ghost and they're right behind you and then you enter the porta potty and when you turn around and close the door you see that they were just about to grab you and you close the door in their face Despite the fact that they obviously know you just went inside that porta potty, they're just going to be like, eh, well, I don't know what happened to them. I guess I'll just go on my merry way. And that is that. The one frustrating element about hiding is that you have no way of peeking outside to make sure that the ghost is not just chilling near the hiding spot. 
So you eventually, whenever you get out, you just have to cross your fingers and hope the ghost is nowhere near you when you exit in order to continue. But that whole element is pretty tedious. And then the story stuff is, again, poorly lip-synced. Poorly voice acted. The voice acting in Daymare was okay. It's fine. But here it's not great. There's weird audio mixing going on in this game where the dialogue will vary in level wildly at times. Sometimes a character will say something and then one sentence or three words in a sentence will be 25 to 40 percent louder than the rest of the audio and sometimes a character will talk and it'll be 15% quieter than average and it's just all over the place making it really weird a really weird listen it doesn't sound good but it also clearly makes all of the narrative bits sound like recordings like you're listening to recorded dialogue and not being a part of a conversation with these characters because their levels are jumping all over the place. So that's weird. Gameplay-wise, the controls can be awkward at times. It seems like, and this could be purposeful, it seemed like walking backwards was ridiculously slow to the point of why, why would I ever walk backwards? But there's nothing about the game that, in, in my time with it, really stood out as unique or special. You have the sections where you're doing the ghost bits, and it, it really is just run and hide and get through these maze-like areas until you reach a point in the story where it says, okay, you've done enough of this cat and mouse game. Let's do a bit more story. Let's get some more narrative going. Maybe throw in a puzzle here or there. Like finding a bunch of pieces of paper that you put onto a bulletin board type of thing in one room. Super, super difficult puzzle there. Doesn't look all that great either. So yeah. Nothing too special there. And Tin Can is the most interesting game of the bunch I've played. This is a puzzle game where you have to survive on your escape pod, you're in space, by replacing components and fixing various modules on your escape pod. And how you do this is by having all this this very various equipment, switching them out with other parts of your escape pod, and utilizing the manual that you have access to in-game, or can scan a QR code and then have access on your phone or a tablet, which would be the preferred way of accessing it, because it is a very intensive manual. There are a lot of things going on in this game. The manual, I believe, is 35 pages. So there's a whole bunch of shit 
that provides you with information regarding the components and various error codes. And the way the game works is that you initially have, uh, you're, you're gradually unlocking more and more challenging situations to deal with, starting with having to survive only for six minutes, and then I think it bumps up to 10 and so on and so forth. And the, the way the game works is that you are meant to fail initially and fail in various ways because through failure, you will learn more and more. You, you may only learn about one particular thing, one run and another thing in the next run. And as you are playing more and more and doing more runs, you will start to learn how things work and remember them and not have to reference a manual, for instance. You will remember that, okay, this oxygen take area, this is how it works. These are the components I need. This is what I need to do. This is what I have to constantly check. And you have to do this with a whole bunch of various elements of your escape pod. And you can grab on there. There are bars because you're in a low gravity situation. So there are bars all over this escape pod that you grab onto and you can pull yourself out to reach areas and uh, reach low areas. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. It, it reminds me, I think there was, oh, it, it might be what I'm thinking of, Keep Talking Nobody Explodes, where it's a VR game where one person can access this bomb defusal manual while the other person in VR is trying to figure out what they're doing. Okay, do I cut this wire? Do I cut that wire? Okay, I've got this error code. And it's like that, but you're doing it all yourself, not in VR. I, there could be a VR version of the game. But it, it's not a game I typically would be interested in or play, and I've only played it a bit. I also like the fact that it has a pretty all right tutorial. It's a it's a little bit buggy here and there. There are times where I would be walking and clipping through entire bits of geometry in my little escape pod. But another fun tense thing that I wasn't expecting the first time I did a run is that it starts you up on your actual space station and you've got a minute or so to grab as many components as you can from one of the storage areas to take into your escape pod before setting off. So you just have to kind of get lucky because I'm not sure if it's completely randomized as well. I'm presuming it is. But that's something you would learn as you play more and more and there there are asteroid fields you get through and you have to survive through. But I, I like the idea of the game and the, the gaining of knowledge through failure and utilizing this deep manual and becoming more and more accustomed. It, it, it's weird in the sense that you're playing this game and learning not skills but information and becoming quote unquote a bit of an expert on how your escape pod works on how the escape pod works in this game and really that knowledge you're gaining through trial and error through reading the manual and so on and so forth is essentially worthless information so this is all time you'd be spending and stuff you'd be learning 
for this one single experience. So in that sense, I look at it and I think, is it worth the investment? But at the same time, there is something that feels rewarding about every little victory. So I just played a bit, but I started to learn, okay, for this particular module, these are the components I need. This is the way I would set it up. And I will definitely need this particular component because even if in this run it starts off and it's good, it's it's something that's going to run out. I'm going to have to worry about it. And there's, there's something rewarding about that. Will I play more? Probably not right now, but... I can see this as a potential fascinating it's at the back of the type of game where I really dive deep into it and maybe as I play more and more and all that I lose my mind with this game and give yourself another ridiculous episode yeah that is Tin Can interesting game and interesting in the sense that I feel like a lot of these games tend to be more and I guess though I don't think you would get much from having somebody else read the manual for you. But I feel like there are a lot of instances of this where it's more of a cooperative experience, whether it be online and you have multiple people doing multiple tasks and so on and so forth. But having this single isolated experiences, kind of nice. The last game is Running Fable, which is a weird game where he plays either a turtle or a bunny. I guess it's the tortoise and the hare. I just put that together. <laughs> and you partake in races where you are striving to reach the trophy at the end before anyone else. And you get points based on when you reach it compared to the other racers. You can play it online or offline against the computer. And I think you can race with up to nine other combatants. And the unique twist to it is that prior to every race, you have a trap set of phase where you can drop uh, or you can place both traps and perks all over a course's layout prior to the race starting and you're doing this to both help and impede your opponents or help yourself and impede your opponents so you have traps like bear trap type of things cages that can catch your opponents tornadoes you throw in water storm clouds and so on and then drop in eggs and carrots that can provide you with health if you're low on health. Or the eggs can increase the amount of boost time you have. And then once you're done with this whole trap setting phase, you partake in the races on foot. Where you can walk very, very slowly or run if you have boost in you and then jump and do a special move like if you're the tortoise you can get on your shell and surf essentially along bodies of water which can be beneficial that takes up energy though that takes up your boost energy so you can't just do it whenever 
The problem with the game is that, control-wise, very loose, very unpleasant, camera can get out of control, especially in tight turns. And then the whole trap setting thing seems like it could be a good idea, but the way it's implemented, it's just, there, there could be something here in this whole set trapping thing, but in setting traps, you could hurt yourself. In setting the, the eggs and the carrots, you could be providing your opponents with bonuses. So it's not a, a, a case of you are setting things that can only hurt your opponent. or And it works that way in Mario Kart or any type of kart racer where if you drop, for instance, a banana and then on the next lap you come across that banana because nobody ran into it you could run into it yourself yes but this seems especially if you have 10 opponents and they're all dropping traps it can become a fucking and there were instances where it was just everyone's running its traps one after another and you just see people like one two three four five bear traps in a row this person's in a cage that person's in a cage and it's just a fucking joke to look at. But then at the same time, it sure as fuck seems like the computer, at least, has way more boost than you. It's a fucking hard game. I was surprised by how much I fucking sucked at it every fucking time. And there is no difficulty. And in some cases, a level would load with no audio. And sometimes it would. And that was off-putting but I really did not enjoy this game I did not know what to expect going in and then when I started playing it and then as I consistently started getting my butt kicked I'm like who is this for this looks like a kid-friendly game but then you have this whole complicated trap placing system and then the game itself is not friendly <laughs> it's just a bit of a mess I do not recommend it. I really got annoyed with that game very quickly and was pretty done with it after a few races, but I kept with it. This tutorial in no way helped me to try and figure out why I was sucking so much, so that was a bit of a slap in the face as well. And then I just kept doing a few more races, a few more races, messing around with trap ideas and stuff like that. And after a while of beating myself over the head with this game, trying to find the fun in it, trying to find something in it, that never happened. And then I was done with it. And you know what else I'm done with? This podcast, this episode, not the podcast, just this episode. So, and that, that again is running fable. But that will do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. I just realized I forgot to do all the plugs in the beginning. I go back and forth on remembering that because uh, and I'm pretty sure it's because to say because again and now again and again but because I find it a bit icky to plug at the top of a show. But I'm talking now. I'm plugging now. And what I'm plugging me again pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage the Patreon, that is, if you enjoy this here show or any of the stuff I do, like Attack the Backlog and so on and so forth, and any potential future ob objects, future projects, 
and would like to support me or not since you could do so over at patreon.com slash pxs speaking of patreon you can find links to the patreon as well as the site the youtube and discord as well as so much more over at p <laughs> pxsausage.com that is pxsausage.com for links to all that and more that is it that is all as always thank you for watching or listening i hope you enjoyed this here episode and i hope you have both a wonderful rest of your day a lovely rest of your week and a fantastic week and but for now adios uh bye also my hair is a fucking mess let me just say a bit of break did you say my hair it's a fucking mess i don't know what to do with it I feel like at this point, having it at this medium length, if you want to call this medium length, I don't know what medium length would be, but I'm feeling like my hair is just full of too many cowlicks and weird parting and other stupid crap that realistically, I either need to keep it super short or maybe attempt to grow it out again and properly care for it over the growing out process of having it regularly maintenance which actually you know about this whenever you listen to this what's the maintenance process if i were to try and grow it out as in how often would i go to a stylist to get it cut to get split ends or shit like that dealt with and to just have it roofed up i i don't know anything about hair so any help would be greatly appreciated because I like having hair and also I in no way believe I will always have hair so while I still have it it'd be nice to have it and not keep it short so yeah I also almost shaved my mustache but I, I did not and I'm glad I didn't because I like having my mustache anywho that is it that is all adios arrivederci Bye for real this time.